From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. Today is such a fun podcast because we are changing things up a bit, and it's the first time that I've ever had the opportunity to do a live interview. If you could see me right now, (laughs) Melissa, we're sitting in my closet with a microphone stacked on boxes. It's kind of ridiculous because up until now, up until now, I've only recorded and done interviews over Zoom calls, but today I am in the same room with my good friend, Melissa. And Melissa is a care coordinator at my local church. And today we're going to talk about the process of building or rebuilding your care ministry after COVID. Thanks, Melissa, for coming to my closet. This is so exciting. It's like having a podcast in a fort. So I'm pretty proud to be here. (laughs) It actually does kind of look like that. It's so true. It's so good. Um, I'm excited because the more that I'm talking with people, the more that I'm hearing people experiencing the same things as happened at our church that we kind of walked through over the past year. And I'm also a little bit nervous about this interview because I think we're going to be sharing some vulnerabilities and some things that we were nervous about or scared, or maybe even some things that mistakes we made or oversights that we made um, and lessons learned. So I'm a little bit nervous, but also really excited. I'm excited too. I feel like this is good timing because we're just fresh off this process so we can share like in the moment what we've learned, what we've done wrong and what we've done really good. So yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. So Melissa and I have been working together for a few months. Um, I'm coming in more as an external support person and Melissa is the care coordinator kind of on the ground and knows people really, really well. So, um, so today we're going to be talking all about rebuilding your care ministry after COVID. And we're going to be sharing this in the same framework that our care ministry cohort follows. Uh, For those of you who might not know what the cohort is, or maybe you don't follow me on social and see me obsessively posting about it this past week. Uh, For those who've never heard, let me share briefly what the cohort is all about. A couple times a year, I open up spaces for care ministry leaders to join a cohort or a group of 15 people. And together over the next six months, we meet weekly and we walk through this process that we're going to share today and build and strengthen your church's care ministry. And at this time, at the time we are recording, um, there are a few days left to join the cohort that's about to start. I think it actually starts next week, um, but I always hold a wait list. So if you want to be notified when the new cohort opens or a new opportunity comes, make sure you go to careministrycohort.com and I'll link that in the show notes and sign up to be on the wait list. But for this episode with Melissa, we're going to go through some of the experiences experiences on some of her experiences and my experiences that we um, that we had rebuilding our care ministry at our church and we're going to follow the six modules that we go through in the cohort so before we start Melissa <laughs> can you share a little bit about yourself yeah so um, the church that I work at has been the only church I've ever attended I've been there since I was born um, so I have a lot of good connections there um, but 
I do, I just, I really care about caring for people. Mm-hmm. No matter what the capacity is, it's just, it's what I am super passionate about. And I really feel like that's what God's called me to. So two years ago, I decided to go back to school and um, get some education and through some a cha- some events that led to being starting care ministry, I got to do my placement with Laura at um, our church. Uh, so together, we got to really like from the ground re- rebuild our care team at our church, which has been really exciting. And it wasn't hard to do because it's something that we are both really passionate about. So, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to share too that you know at our church we had care. There was care ministries going on. Our our church loved on people. They strongly valued community and they were engaged. They were supporting people. Um, but after COVID, there was, you know, it was a kind of a shift and a transition. We were trying to get back into the in-person space. So it was actually a really great timing for us to uh, really dive in and invest some time in this. So I am excited. And I think that's something, um, If can you share a little bit? You've told me this before for about your thoughts or your feelings about um, having to be, you know, a specialist or not feeling like uh, you were equipped to be a part of the care team? Yeah. So I felt like to be part of care or to be a care coordinator, you had to have education or you had to have gone to um, Bible college. And although all those things are really great, it doesn't qualify you to care for people. It's that lived experience. And what I've, I've noticed as we've started to build care is the people with that lived experience have been the biggest assets for our team. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the people that have the education qualifications. It's the passion that God puts inside of us, as well as like that lived experience that makes people really good at caring for others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in care, there's always that room for experts, but to be a care coordinator or a care pastor Mm -hmm. or a volunteer or whatever you are in your church, you don't have to be a therapist or a counselor. No, that's been the really cool thing that I've learned is that the people that are really passionate, it didn't matter to them whether they were getting paid to do it or they were doing it as a volunteer or where they served the church. They just really wanted to help care for people. Mm-hmm. And that's been really neat to, to discover through mm-hmm. this process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is one of the exciting things. And we're going to go into more detail in a minute. But let's start off in the care ministry cohort in this six-month program that we walk through together as a group of ministry leaders. The first month that we focus on is building a plan. And that, I think, frustrated you a little bit based on your body language and and some of the talks. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this did not sit well as your first first introduction to care. I'm a little bit more administrative minded you you kind of uh wear your heart on your sleeve so when we when I went in and said okay we need to build a plan we need to figure out where we are where we want to go some mile markers in between what was that experience for you so it was frustrating um (laughs) I don't love administration administrative stuff and um, when you start care it's all administrative mm-hmm. and I think there was like a joke at the church that like everybody just went to cry in our office space because <laughs> there's a lot of tears that happened there mostly by me at the beginning um but yeah it was hard it was hard to like start with that framework at the beginning like I know what I want to do I know how I want to take care of people I don't know the process that we need to follow mm. and that's where you were really good because you're like 
I've got a chart. <laughs> and I hated the chart, but like the chart started to make sense, right? right? We're like, everybody is getting care for the same way. We can tweak it to someone's personal situation, but the care is consistent. And mm. that's what people really want to see is consistency, right? Yeah. Um, so as much as I put my back up at the beginning, <laughs> I learned to love the the workflows because that's what kept us on track. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was good. It was really good. It was a huge learning experience for me too. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely was. And that, you know, you want to jump into uh, meeting with people and booking appointments and giving out gift cards and praying over people and building teams and and developing all of these things, but without the stability of knowing, you know, why we're doing it, who is doing it, and what the next step is, it can be get it can get really chaotic, right, really quickly. It can, and also like it needs to be documented, mm. and, and like I was all for just jumping in and doing all this stuff, but not doing the paperwork and the documentation where that can get you into trouble later on down the road if you don't have it a proper basis for your, for the program, right? Yeah. So um, if I had to turn around and, and go back, <laughs> I probably would have been a little bit more on board with that, the administrative part um, because it really set the tone for a successful uh, care team mm. down the road. So. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad it worked out in the end. <laughs> and something else, just one last um thing that kind of came up unexpectedly was when we were one of the first things that we do is really assess what we have as a church what are our strengths what are our weaknesses who's doing care and what's happening and there was um you mentioned to me and and both of us were a little bit surprised at how when I talked with the senior pastor the executive team the youth the children's everyone had a different perspective of what care should look look like and what care should be and it was different you and I even had different different you know uh, opinions or approaches to care and um how was that for you that experience of discovering everyone's different ideas or opinions well it was interesting because you know you have your own thoughts and what you think that needs to be the basis of care but that can look totally different for somebody else right so starting off just kind of talking to the other leaders in our church and reaching out and be like, what's important to you? What do you think we're doing really well? Where are our areas, our opportunities for growth? I felt like that was really beneficial because we started to learn like each department of our church has different priorities and those priorities are important to, to meet those needs. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were like the kids, like kids department was already doing care stuff, but just in a different way. So it was nice to see that and to establish that as where we start because they were doing a great job already. Mm-hmm. We just were all doing our own thing and we didn't have a process for making it be a one, like going together as one program. So. Yeah. Yeah. How are things now? We've only been doing this or walking through this um, for a little bit. Do you see that there's still some growth, you think? Or or what are your thoughts on, a, you know, a year or a few months into it? Well, I like your analogy of the bucket. Because <laughs> when there is no program, you just start putting your fingers in the bucket to fill holes, right? Yes. And you're doing a great job because you're using what you have available. But now I see where there's like a system through consistency with the care team we've developed trust. So now like the other um, people on staff at our church can trust us with a care need Mm -hmm. because they know that we can look after that and we're going to do a good job at looking after that. Whereas before they would just kind of put a finger in a a hole in a bucket and try to care for that specific need. 
but wasn't it didn't have a system around it right yeah. whereas i feel like they feel comfortable knowing that there is a system in place now where we're caring for those needs and that's what we're passionate about yeah. Yeah, that bucket analogy was about, you know, you have all these things that are filling the bucket, but there's all so many things that there's often holes in the bucket where, where um, resources are running out or, you know, energy and, and, you know, and people sometimes in church can be just running around putting out fires or I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And that concept of, okay, let's create a system or let's create, like you said, trust so that if there is a care need, you know, we don't have to not everyone needs to run around and take care of that they can give it to the care team and there's trust that they're going to be taken care of really well yeah and I think that was a really good sign for us that we were doing a good job yeah was because they started to trust us and like I remember you saying to us at the beginning that we're gonna we're going to be really good at what we do when we have a workflow we're gonna follow it really well because that's going to build trust and relationships. And it has. So yeah. it's been good. Yeah. So that building a plan part, although frustrating, <laughs> like you said, Melissa, I think it really sets everyone up for success and spending some intentional time right at the beginning, establishing goals, figuring out where you want to go, aligning with the vision, with leadership and what the different ministries are doing is really, really valuable. And then the second uh, second month or the second module that we do at the cohort is building partners. Now, this is a little bit different because we live in the community. Um, But tell us a little bit about what building partnerships for our church kind of looked like. Um, So right when I first started in September, we um, started making a resource guide. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, literally going on the computer and Googling what what addiction services do we have? What do we have for um, supporting people in homelessness community? What do we have for uh, food insecurities? And just making a guide of what is currently available. And then from there, we just started making relationships with them. Mm-hmm. Um, in our community, we have a, um, a fundraiser called the Coldest Night of the Year, which supports our uh, local homeless shelter so we started we put a team in there every year Mm -hmm. and we just start building that relationship that way um we did a christmas outreach that would directly support our salvation army in town um that also directly supported our um school nutrition program so those ways like we're just we're not trying to redo what another community service has done really well we're trying to partner with them and Mm -hmm. build that relationship so they know if they have something that we can assist with they're going to reach out to us and then we know that if we have a need that they can assist with we have a name of someone that we can we can put people in contact with which i think was really important yeah actually just a few weeks ago the youth leader came up to me our youth pastor and was like hey this youth came in or the family came in and they were really struggling what was the name of that place again that you recommended like oh, we were talking about it in our staff meeting or in a staff conversation and it was just like oh my goodness it's working yeah. and we were able to provide more comprehensive care because we developed the well we researched the the resources and our partners you've connected with the different people there's a few handful of people that you've had face-to-face conversations mm-hmm. with and connected with over the phone and we were able to refer families now to these to these different partners and and we don't have to just say sorry we don't provide that service or we don't help in that way and you know period the end we're able to walk with people as they connect with the community so it's it kind of immediately took the pressure off or immediately expanded our capacity to care for people well i think that was and that was the cool part because when we started researching we found out that there was organizations 
organizations we didn't even know about. Yeah. So then that took the pressure off in our community that we're not alone. Yeah. Like we can make these valuable uh, connections with community partners yeah. and care for people better outside of the walls of the church. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing our limitations. Yeah. Because I think we actually changed our benevolence policy a little bit or shifted how we do benevolence because we discovered that there's a community partner that works with people around um, around bill paying bills and things like that. Yeah. So we were able to say, oh, our church doesn't need to provide this. Let's fill a, this other gap that we see and then refer out to our partners. So it really allowed some room and some flexibility there. All right, so that is all about building partners. The next module that we walk through is building the team. Now, this one I think is going to be a bigger conversation. <laughs> this one was a big deal for us because during COVID, everything went online like most people. And here in Canada, it went online for quite a number <laughs> of months. And, and so when we came back, there really was no team in place whatsoever um, providing care it was just managed by mostly staff yeah um yeah that was a struggle I think it was a struggle in general because coming back from COVID people were hesitating as to what they wanted to commit to right um but we also found that there are people so passionate about care Mm -hmm. they just needed an opportunity yeah and that like really started to like ignite my fire by like talking to volunteers who are like, hey, like I I saw this happen in another church. Like I really think this would be good. Or I we also got to learn through hurt, which was also important. Mm, tell me more about that. Uh, we had people that came to us and re- and they would say, like, I wish this is how I was cared for mm. in my time of need. And then we were able to make purpose of that because I'm because then we were able to give that person a direct way to continue to serve back their their church community through the way that they wished that they had mm. been they had been um helped in a time of need and i thought that was really neat to be able to take those experiences whether they were good or bad because there was also people that came to us and were like your church was so amazing when i yeah. had went like when i had a baby when i had a death in my family when i was in need and they want to take that experience and turn it around into helping other people. So we are able to take from both types of experiences, the good and the bad, and turn them into like positive um, opportunities for people to be volunteers. Mm-hmm. And it was really exciting to see that like organically start to happen. Yeah, that's the really the first thing that we look at is how to identify volunteers. And oftentimes when we think of care, we need to have these really high capacity volunteers. And it's going to be and when you think of that, you're like, okay, the people who are successful, like externally successful, and you think of people who have businesses or, or strong marriages, and they're in their 50s, and they, you know, all of these things. But Actually, what we found was, yes, there are those who have all of those, you know, their ducks in the row and they have seen um, God's faithfulness through their life and they, they provide great support for people. But don't ignore some of these other people yeah. who are so, they provide so much strength and so much wisdom, but through lived experience yeah. and and through overcoming hurt and overcoming struggle. And, and that's really the first step of looking at building a team is really identifying those who um, who are at all different 
ages, you know, male and female, people who externally look successful and maybe those who don't look externally successful, but have overcome so much. And they offer so much value and so much strength. And it's it's really looking for those people who are teachable, those people who um, respect the integrity of others and confidentiality. Those are the giftings and those are the skill sets that you want to look for. Maybe not external success. Yeah, I would say that probably 90% of our core care team right now Mm -hmm. is people that have decided to care because of their own lived experience. And I think it's just really unique how we can make purpose from our our hurt in our life Mm -hmm. and use that to to care for others. And they're so valuable to our team. Yeah. And something that we did was we actually one-on-one individually asked people. It wasn't this call um, from the stage or an ad in the bulletin or something like that. We actually personally identified and then invited those to come in. And when we, I think a thing as well that was a success, although um, we'll talk about a failure in a moment, (laughs) something that was a success is that when we told, when we asked someone, hey, would we, we would love to, we see you as having leadership skills. We'd love to have you part, be part of the care team. We immediately had an idea of what their roles and responsibilities were. Yeah. It wasn't like, hey, we have this idea. We, you know, we're thinking about this and wondering if you'd like to be involved. It was more concrete. So they knew that we thought about it and they knew what the what we were actually asking them to do. Yeah. And they've all like most of the volunteers we have have taken their position and gone above and beyond. Oh, for sure. That's been the really exciting thing. It wasn't just like, I'm going to fill this role because this is what you've asked me to do. I'm always getting emails from our volunteers being like, hey, I have this idea. Like, yeah. hey, can we talk about this? And like, that knows, that's what you, when you know you you have the right team. Yeah. Is that passion that yeah. you don't have to keep trying to ignite. Mm-hmm. It's there. So yeah. That was cool. Yeah. And those leaders, what they did is we had them, we talked with them, we got them on board. We we had a creative idea meeting where it's like, okay, what are your thoughts? Let's have a dream meeting. And then we put the call out to the rest of the volunteers and we didn't, act, or the rest of the church and to say, hey, would you like to be a part of care? Uh, but we didn't do that. We didn't ask for a commitment right away. No, <laughs> we didn't. Um... Which was really hard because there were so many things we wanted to do (laughs) and there's like a lot of questions um but what we did is when we did our launch night we just like put it out as come here about our our care ministry if you're curious come here more yeah yeah, and it was the in the in that launch meeting um, where we outlined what we what the dream was for um, the care team, what the vision was, what the plan was, and had an onboarding guide, mm-hmm. a takeaway thing where they can say, okay, here's here's who I'm responsible to, here's the commitment that they're asking me to, here's the roles and responsibilities, here's a confidentiality agreement, all right there in their hand, and um, I think that was really helpful for people to see that. It was. Yeah. It, I think it started to build excitement too. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay. Th- like this is happening. Like mm-hmm. we are actually going to do this. And um, yeah, that was really neat to see. It was neat to see, like to put that call out for people that were interested to come and just hear about it because there were people that came that I never would have yeah. thought, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, I've been waiting for an opportunity to serve. Yeah. So it, it was a really cool experience. And in the care ministry cohort, all of those documents are provided for you, all the templates, the onboarded, the exact onboarding guide that we were talking about <laughs> is available. And you can 
edit and change that to to make it customized for your church. Um, it's okay. So the next one um, is building programs. Building programs of care. Now, normally we talk about building a culture of care. So this is like equipping more people to be able to care for one another. And I think that is a cu- culture, shifting culture takes years. So we're still in process for that. Um, but there were some core programs that uh, we wanted to strengthen in our church that were happening, but maybe not intentional, intentionally. Or like you said, uh, one staff member would approach it this way and another staff member would approach it that way. So tell me, out of the programs that we strengthened, what was the one that you felt was most in- impactful? Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> I love all of them. But <laughs> um, so we have a, uh, a bridge Applicate our bridge benevolence benevolence um, um, department, and we really worked hard to streamline that, mm-hmm. which I thought was really impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, the church has always been known for being a, a place where people give, right? Um, but there's also a responsibility for us as a, a church to be um, to be uh, responsible for what we we are giving away, and that really put mm-hmm. that in place for us um we weren't just handing out gift cards <laughs> like we, we like we love to do we were like we were actually um we had a process behind it yeah. which was really good yeah. it gave us a chance to get some general information about people to find out exactly what their need was and they submitted it online so then from there we were able to start researching for them mm-hmm. so we're like okay they're struggling uh, financially right now we can help with groceries but we can also help with putting them in contact with our community right. services so it was really that like place for us to just start researching and using the um, resources we had already put in like had available we had already researched and we know about them we know how to contact them it was putting them in contact with those people because we were as a church we want to fill their short-term or help with their short-term need but we also want to set them up for a successful future which i think we're doing really well with our our benevolence so benevolence is just one of the four programs that we look at and the other ones are prayer requests um, doing a meal or meal train, and then as well as spiritual care. And I think another success that we did was with prayer requests, where uh, previously, um, and similar to many churches, prayer requests were coming in and they were being received, but the church was not uh, supporting the prayer requests to its greatest strength. We had all, we kind of started the system, but then I think it stopped short. And so by rebuilding the automation where people were get a response right away and then the workflow that sends it to our prayer team and then there's even like a five email sequence where you're given people are given scriptures and 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 support and an opportunity to provide feedback whether further resources are needed whether it's meals or or spiritual care or visitation and also testimonies where people yeah. can say hey actually thank you so much for praying you know god came through and this is this is what we're seeing now so i think prayer was really Really boosted. It was. And I think the neat thing too that happened was it took the responsibility off the lead pastor. Yes. I think historically, um, a lot of people felt that their needs were only properly being seen if it was if it was addressed from the, the lead pastor, right? Yeah. And um, through the prayer workflow, we were able to address each person individually mm-hmm. and they still were hearing from a, a real person. Yeah. But it made people trust somebody other than 
the lead pastor yeah. as well, which is really cool because we all get to use our gifts and to serve where we, we our strengths are, right? Yeah. And of course, we love our lead pastor. <laughs> we all want to hear from our, our lead pastor, and we do. But it, it freed up his time, so he is able to to and empowered other empower, volunteers. Yeah, and yeah. I thought that was really cool. It's like there's been. So, we're all able to work in the departments where we are skilled and called, which was yes. really cool. That was yeah. a cool thing that came out of prayer. Yeah. And another interesting thing that actually I think it came, it was a challenge to face is pastoral care and spiritual care. Because right now our church, um, like many other churches, we're growing, uh, but our staff capacity is not growing as fast as maybe the needs are growing mm-hmm. in our community. And so we were being faced, like, how can we provide the spiritual care, pastoral care uh, to people when the needs are growing, but maybe the capacity of our team is not there to meet every need? And and I think that's, from what I'm hearing from other people, that's a really familiar story. So I, we are still in the process of this. And this is the part where I don't think we did the greatest at the beginning, but we're coming into stride now where it's building up mentors or coaches, Mm -hmm. those in our community or those in our church, I should say, our church community, who have gone through struggle, overcome, learned wisdom, stood on, you know, in faith and and have seen and seen God faithful uh, through this process, and they are able to provide support. So this is happening as we speak. Like this is what's happening is is looking, okay, how can we build mentors, not pastors, not therapists, but mentors or coaches, people who've been there, done that piece. Um, to support people. And so this is how we are um, approaching or managing the the needs growing faster yeah. than our staff capacity. Which I think was, it's cool. Like um, part of being a good care coordinator, I think you have to be a good problem solver. Mm. So we were looking, like we were seeing what is the needs that are coming in most? And a lot of um, needs were people, they needed people to talk to. Yeah. And in our community, we don't have... Um, an overabundance of available counselors to go talk to. So we're like, in the meantime, while people are waiting to see a counselor, what can we do to to, to help with that need? And the mentors just kind of kind of came along accidentally. We didn't expect <laughs> it to happen, but it's been like one of the most valuable parts mm-hmm. of our care ministry. Mm-hmm. It definitely has been, for sure. It's been an unintended surprise or yeah. unintended. Um, it's actually yeah, gift. and I have to say, it's probably one of my favorite things. <laughs> one of the, the things that we are doing really really well. Yes. So the last uh, two months of the cohort, we're talking about building capacity as well as building communications. And um, in building capacity, we're looking at team wellness. Mm-hmm. And when working with that, as our team is growing and changing and shifting, that is always a uh, in flux situation. And I think um, we are onto something pretty cool with Basecamp. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for Basecamp. Um it's that gives us that opportunity quarterly to check in with our teams. We mm-hmm. want to be able to like first and foremost, our priority is to support our teams, but we also want to empower our teams. Mm-hmm. So through Basecamp, we offer like additional training to help them to do their role and do it well mm-hmm. and feel equipped to do their role. Yeah. Um, so that's been a real like it's something for 2023 that we're just starting to do more of, and I'm excited for that because sometimes as a volunteer, you feel that you're being 
drained of all your your time and your resource and your energy but we want to make our volunteers feel like they're being filled up at the same time yeah which is really important yeah. to our team and our church might be calling it base camp but you can try you know call it whatever you want but really it's okay what are some core training that would like you like melissa said equip your volunteers with the capacity and the skills to be able to you know care for people well but also give them confidence and feed into them and fuel them and regenerate them so that they are able to we don't want anyone to burn out. No. And we want people to realize their value to our church. Mm-hmm. Like, we have really made that a priority. Um, yeah. Whether we did apps and chats um, <laughs> with our core team when we were brainstorming, we got everybody to, or the, that team together and we fed them yeah. and just got them to share their ideas for our team. And I think that was really, it's good to take those little opportunities to make sure your team mm-hmm. knows how valued they mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Yeah. So among uh, team wellness, we also want to look at crisis planning, ethics and boundaries and and discuss some policies and procedures that maybe haven't been, you know, talked about in previous cohorts and then building communication. And this is, I think, an area that has been a weakness of ours, if I'm going to be really honest, is communication is we've created this program, but we haven't quite got to the space where we're able to tell people about it. And that's what I I share. I was like, we can create the greatest care ministry in the world, but if nobody knows about it then you know what good is that Um, and for us that was a little bit intentionally because we just we're still building the capacity of the team so we don't want a a deluge of needs to come at us but I think it's definitely something that we need to an area of growth for us Mm -hmm. is how do how do people know that care ministry exists and do people know what is available and do people know how to access it yeah that was actually an interesting I had a call at the end of um, last year and the gentleman on the call asked me that question. Mm-hmm. How many people in your church are accessing care? And what per- percentage need care and don't know about it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was Ooh. a humbling moment. I was like, yeah. oh, we, we're doing a good job. But how do we get everybody to know about it? Which yeah. is a, that it was something that we're current, we haven't done great yet, but we're currently working on it yeah. as a uh, opportunity for growth in the future. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that when you get mixed up, and I want to say, I don't mean that in a bad way, but if you are running along in this hamster wheel and working and you're supporting this person, supporting that, we see all the stories mm-hmm. of great things. Uh, so we can sometimes have blinders on to think that everybody knows about this. But in this last month of the cohort, we walk through, okay, let's really you know, follow along and how people access it and how do you know or how are you tracking, sorry, uh, what what people are using or, or know about. Yeah, and that's like a difficulty with care because you don't always hear those. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be a trackable way to um, to know. Well, how do you know when your, your care ministry is being effective, right? Yeah. And it's that communication piece. Um, not always someone comes back and says, like, my life is so much better because <laughs> you reached out and helped us. But we want to be able to continue to walk along people that so they know that they may not we may not hear from them for a little bit, but they know that when when they are struggling that we're there consistently for their needs. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Melissa, it has been such a joy working with you. And this has been such a fun little podcast in our so closet for. <laughs> this has been like probably a dream of mine for a while. I like secretly fangirl the, uh, the podcast. And uh, when you asked me to be a guest, I thought that would be really cool. And I think it's really important to talk about the good and the bad that comes along with care. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's so rewarding, but it can be so hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the value to this the cohort is to know you're not doing it alone. Mm-hmm. There's so much 
strength that comes in like running with people that are passionate about the same things you're passionate about there's so many good ideas that come from that there's so much vision that comes from that and I'm so excited to see what this cohort comes that what comes from this this year I'm excited to drop in and be part of it and um yeah this is a good thing we have going and I feel like our we're continuing to carry out God's vision for our church and for us as Christians through our care programs. Mm -hmm. So thank Uh, you. Oh, my pleasure. One last question. Sure. Okay, I know it wasn't that long ago that you worked through or you started working together on this, but if you could tell yourself, write yourself a note or send yourself an email from when you first started, Mm -hmm. what would you tell yourself with the information you know now? That's another really good question. I think it's important to step back and look at the big picture. There's little wins along the way, but sometimes you miss those. And I, 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 we talked about it earlier where I was like, I sometimes wondered when I was like, it was the hard part of developing care. If we stopped today, wouldn't anybody notice? And it may not be noticed every time you reach out and you care for somebody, but it makes a huge difference to somebody. And I, like, I, I wonder when we get to heaven one day, how many people we're gonna see and then are going to be like, my life was directly impacted for, for good. You changed the trajectory of my life because of the way you cared for me. I think that's what I want people to know. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. The tears at the end of the podcast. <laughs> but it's good. It, it, it's really, it's, it's important to be able to step back and put care into perspective. Because mm-hmm. for some, that one person that you're supporting, this is the difference between life and death, right? So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's good. There's so many good little things that come along with it, but putting that big picture into perspective is important. Mm, so good, so good. Well, thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week. If you are interested and curious to know more about the Care Ministry Cohort, you can find it in the show notes at hopemadestrong.org slash episode 71, or go to careministrycohort.com. And if you want to know when a new episode goes live, just make sure you follow. Thanks for listening.